Hello there, welcome to Jubes and Curd, the podcast of my show on GB News. My name's Michelle Jubery, and you can catch me live every weekday evening from 6 till 7pm. But worry not, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Jubes and Curd. Good evening to you. Happy Friday and welcome to a very special edition of Jubes and Kerr tonight. We will be looking forward to the Conservative leadership hostings live on GB News from 7 o'clock. The big man, Alistair Stewart in Manchester, will be grilling the candidates, so he will, and keeping me company until 7 o'clock. And my panel tonight, the Tory MP Richard Holden, who is backing Rishi Sunak and the consultant editor of the Daily Mail. And get this, how exciting, he's joined the GB News family. Andrew Pearce, good evening to you. Liz Truss supporter, uh, Andrew Pearce. And you know the drill by now on Jubes and Kerr, don't you? It's not just about us here, it's about you at home as well. I want your thoughts on all of this tonight. If you were Alistair Stewart and you were doing the grilling, what would you be asking Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak? Um, what's your primary focus right now? What do you think should be their primary focus? Is there anything uh, that you sit and you listen to these hustings and you're shouting at your screens or your radio saying, ask them this, what about this? Why aren't they focusing on that? You tell me. GBviews at gbnews.uk is my email. You can tweet me as well at gbnews or at Michelle Jubes. First up then, let's go to Manchester, shall we, and speak to our political correspondent, Tom Howard. He's live. Tom, good evening. Tell us, what's the plan for tonight? Good evening, Michelle. Yes, we're here in Manchester. We've been setting up all day. And as you can probably see behind me and maybe even here, the audience has started to arrive. We're in the final throngs of preparation. I've just been inside the really quite impressive auditorium-like area that we have been preparing all day. Looking forward to Alistair's interviews one-on-one with these candidates, but also, of course, the crucial questions from the members that we will be hearing as well. All start in less than an hour exclusively on GB News. It's important to note the stage of the contest in which we are now sat. It's just a couple of weeks until we hear who becomes our next Prime Minister. Really the final hurdles of this race, given that we know next week we're expecting a postal strike as well. Conservative members are encouraged to get their ballots in quickly, potentially this weekend. And that could mean something very very significant for this race. This could be the last big opportunity for these candidates to sway the minds of the tens of thousands of members who are still yet to vote, according to the opinion polls we have seen this week. And what's really interesting here is, of course, we've seen these polls show a pretty large lead for Liz Truss in the last couple of weeks, which means one thing. In order for Rishi Sunak, the self-confessed underdog, in this race to make ground, it might well get a bit scrappy. It will certainly get quite fiery. It will not be one to miss. Will not be missing it, that is for sure. Thanks for that, Tom. Right, uh, should we take a moment then just to recap what has been going on? Six weeks, this has all uh, been ahead of us. Should we just look back and remind ourselves? This is what happened when I was live on air on the 5th of July. It is a gentleman is not ending with Sajid Javid. Uh, Rishi Sunak has resigned his position as we speak. Um, goodness gracious well, I, I, I literally me. Just... Gracious me indeed. Because two days later, Boris Johnson then announced that he was standing down as Prime Minister. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. Well, I'll tell you someone that wasn't that sad, uh, Rishi Sunak. About a day or so later, he released this campaign video uh, announcing that he was running. Got to say, very good video, uh, especially uh, to say that it was only about a day or so after Boris Johnson said that he was resigning. That's uh, some pretty slick uh, moving there, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, 
Liz Truss then launched her bid to become the Conservative leader a few days later. And soon, a video from more than 20 years ago resurfaced, where Sunak suggested that he didn't have any working class friends. Do you remember friends that? who are aristocrats, I have friends who are upper class, I have friends who are, you know, working class, but I'm not working class. Oh, yeah, definitely not working class. Uh, the blows continued. Rishi Sunak criticised again uh, for wearing £450 Prada shoes on a visit to a building site. He didn't stop there. He was also criticised as well for these comments. Inherited a bunch of formulas from the Labour Party that shoved all the funding into deprived urban areas. Then uh, they, you know, that needed to be undone. I started the work of undoing that. Well, it's got to be said, Liz Truss didn't get as many MP votes as Sunak, but she quickly became the firm favourite to win the leadership election. She took part in the People's Forum with Alistair Stewart live on GB News. Somebody who is absolutely focused on just getting yeah. things done, cracking through the difficulties, pushing ahead. Okay. And I will prove it. I will prove it to you. However... Truss was forced onto the back foot this week after The Guardian released this clip from when she was Chief Secretary to the Treasury. Referendum is like, we say it's all Europe that's causing us all these problems. It's all these migrants that yeah. are causing these problems. And actually, what needs to happen is, you know, a bit more... Uh, yeah, more graft. <laughs> and it's, it's not a popular message, I'm and yesterday, Sunak said that he enjoys going for a McDonald's with his daughters, and he even named his favourite meal. Brown, no hash no, brown. No, I didn't yesterday, but if I'm with my daughters, then yeah. we get the wrap. Oh, my the girls like the wrap. My eldest daughter is all, we get the wraps. So if I'm with her, that wrap with the hash brown and everything in it yeah. is what we do. Girl but after yeah, my own yeah, yeah. Hmm. Bit awks, though, because uh, McDonald's announced, actually, they'd stopped selling those breakfast wraps about two and a half years ago. Hmm, strange goings on. Uh, right, as I said, Richard, you are indeed a Sunak backer. Andrew, uh, you are a Liz Truss backer. When I take you back those kind of six weeks, um, how do you think your candidate, your chosen one, has performed when you look back at some of that? Well, I think in terms of going out and meeting the members, Rishi has probably met multiples of the amount of members that Liz has. He's done over 100 events now across the country. Uh, I've been helping organise some of them in uh, places like Northwest Durham, City of Durham, Northumberland and across the country. Uh, I think he's doing a cracking job, actually, going out there and being honest and straight with people. We face a really difficult challenge around inflation and the cost of living, and that's the main thing that we've got to tackle at the moment. And I think when it comes to it, that's what this, um, this debate between the two has really come down to now. It's uh, whose economic policy do you uh, generally support? Liz has said, you know, she wants to concentrate on keeping uh, taxes lower for big business. Um, that's uh, fair enough. That's uh, a sort of treasury orthodoxy of the last 10 years. Uh, Rishi's come out with something different, which is um, wanting to push... Uh, investment through uh, tax changes uh, there. Uh, and I think that's that's where we are. And Rish has also been very clear that we've got to tackle inflation and help those who are the most vulnerable at the moment, uh, particularly pensioners. I do need to question, though, when you say, oh, yeah, he's been honest and straight and all the rest of it. I've just given a couple of examples there. One of them, and it's maybe a silly example, but some will say, actually, it's reflective of a character. You know, going on national television and saying, yeah, you know, I eat at McDonald's and this is what I eat when actually, no, you don't, it makes you look a bit silly and it makes people question your character. Would you agree? Uh, not at all. I think, you know, he was... Uh, I think McDonald's and everything has been closed for a long time during uh, COVID. And my understanding is that just before COVID, that's when they removed this uh, breakfast wrap option. But if he's not been there with his daughter since then, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things. But don't you just um, think it's a bit silly, though? Because why wouldn't you say it? Why wouldn't you just say, you know what, I don't go to McDonald's often? Well, Why would you sit there and pretend that you do? We just look a well, bit I think, I think the, I think they were saying the last time he was there with his daughters, that's what they liked. I think that's fair enough. He's a great spin doctor, Richard. He used to be a spin doctor for the Tory party. He was always very good at it, and he's doing it there because, look, he, it was a terrible blunder by Rishi Sunak. When incredibly rich men or women try to be authentic and down there with 
ordinary folk, us ordinary folk, by saying they go to McDonald's. He clearly doesn't go to McDonald's. In the same way, I don't think any of us really believe Prince Andrew was in Pizza Express or Pizza Hut, was he? But that wasn't the only time Rishi got it wrong. Remember when he was filling up his car with petrol? I do. After that 5p cut in duty, 5p cut, by the way, which the petrol retailers never passed on, filling up a car with petrol, and it was a little Vauxhall, it wasn't his car. It was somebody who worked at Sainsbury's car. It's cringe-making because, look, he's phenomenally rich. He shouldn't be ashamed of it. He should make a virtue of the fact he's been hugely successful. The fact his wife is rich shouldn't matter. Oh, yes, it does, though, of course, because, of course, she was a non-dom until the media exposed that, and then she quickly changed her status. But it's not just uh, Rishi that's been uh, under the spotlight. I was mentioning in that clip there, Liz Truss. I mean, the latest example is where she's basically saying uh, that the, it's the Brits that are a little bit burn idle and need to graft more. She, well, what she said was we need more graft, but I think I'd rather agree with that, and I think Richard would agree that we've got one of the worst productivity rates in Europe and it's been a problem for years and years but I think the worst trust gaffe actually came earlier in the campaign when she suggested that public sector workers outside of London and the southeast nurses teachers would be paid less that policy I think lasted was it nine hours or nine? You're talking about the, like the review boards, the yeah. national versus regional yeah. review boards. But she got rid of it quickly, which yeah. you have to do if you got it wrong. It's a bit like Theresa May's, uh, was it, did we call it the dementia tax in the mm, general election? We did. She stuck with it for about five days and it did huge damage to her campaign. Yeah, and the point that um, Andrew makes there, Richard, uh, you know, Liz Truss did have to row back to some degree in terms of that policy around pay reviews because people were saying it was damaging levelling up. And correct me if I'm wrong, one of the reasons I think you support uh, Rishi is because of things that he's done for the North. You have a lot of faith in him in terms of levelling up, etc. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you see the, some practical examples of that would be the huge investment we've seen on Teesside following those free ports that he introduced. It was something he campaigned for as a backbencher. And just at the same time as he was campaigning for us to leave the European Union, something his opponent in this race was not doing. Uh, and I think that's uh, been really important, actually, to, to, ta to really burnish those credentials uh, as a Brexiteer all the way through, and I've had practical policies, not just free ports, but things like getting rid of some of that red tape. It was affecting some of my constituents with the motorhomes levy, a 705% increase in tax on new motorhomes in the UK, made in concert in my constituency, one of those things he got rid of within weeks of becoming Chancellor of the Exchequer. So I think he's, on the big things, he's been pushing back on that EU red tape. Uh, on the small things as well, like the motorhomes tax, which has really impacted my constituency. And I think uh, that's somebody we can trust because he's held a, the right position all the way through. And I think that clip, actually, from when Liz was Chief Secretary to the Treasury uh, after the EU referendum, when she was saying, oh, people blame Europe for all this stuff. Well, I think the truth is that Rishi's actually been tackling that stuff. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons I'm backing him, because a lot of my constituents voted for Brexit. So one of the only reasons a lot of them left voting for the Labour Party after a lifetime was... Finally, they saw Labour wasn't going to stand up for democracy. And uh, Rishi wants to deliver on that, and he's been committed to it all the way through. See, he's got a point when it comes to Brexit. Um, you know, 2019, whatever people might say, ultimately it was um, an election fought on mm. Brexit. Mm. Uh, many people did... I know we don't have a, a president system here, but many people did vote for Boris Johnson that, because that. of... He was a, a Brexiteer, he wanted to get Brexit done. Liz Truss, Remainer... Do you think that'll damage her chances? No, and I know uh, Rishi Sunak was a Brexiteer, but I, for one, can't remember seeing him at any rallies or platforms. I think he, he did say it, but he wasn't an, an ardent Brexiteer in the way perhaps Michael Gove was. But there's no doubt uh, Truss has got the zeal of a convert and she's completely signed up to Brexit and uh, she's proved that in her role as Foreign Secretary. And I think it's great what Richard's saying about the free ports and all that stuff that the Chancellor's paved the way for, but when are they going to open? When are they going to open? Well, you've already seen the massive investment that Ben Houch has managed to secure in terms of yeah, a when is it going to open? new offshore wind factory which is coming in uh, already on the basis of... But you're not answering his question. I think, it's already, I think it's, already, it's already there. I think some of the things are already there, Andrew. If you look at the big change, and the big change from the Freeport, really, is around planning rules and regulations mm. and enabling that to really happen from day one so that people like Ben can do those deals with big firms, know you're not going to get caught up in years of planning and actually get some jobs back in the northeast, which is what my constituents are so desperate to see. But do you know what I have to say... Um, and I do find a little bit odd about you Tories is that you talk about levelling up as though it's this kind of, yes, we're going to level up. But you've been in power for over a decade. So if you genuinely was passionate about levelling up the North versus the South, etc., 
Why haven't you done it over the decade you've been in power? Well, in fairness, I've only been an MP since 2019. No, I'm talking about uh, the Tories. No, no, and, and I think that's a fair point. But that's one of the reasons I'm backing Rishi. Um, he's he's really properly committed to it. He's only been chance. He was only chancellor for uh, after um, the 2019 election, and it was one of those things which was turbocharging uh, all the way through. He's got the free ports policy through. He's been doing stuff like I've talked about in my own constituency. But I think the key thing about levelling up is not about trying to rebalance the country, it's about trying to lift up the North to uh, really help in so many different ways across the country. One of the things I want to see is proper jobs and investment coming to the North so that students don't come up to the North East, maybe to Newcastle or Durham, then go back down south. I want them staying there, creating jobs in the North East of England. I want better technical education locally so children don't have to leave after 16 or 18 and go to other parts of the country to find and find uh, better jobs. I think that's the stuff I want to see. I've been fighting for it ever since I uh, became an MP. And I think it's, uh, it's something that we're we're seeing to start delivering. And I just uh, asked the broader question, I and mean, is it something that Liz has been committed to? I mean, she's been in government for 10 years. Um, you know, it's not something that I've seen her committed to as much. And we've seen those, uh, that policy she put out, admittedly she did withdraw it, that's fair enough. Um, but then those previous comments she's also made uh, when she was Chief Secretary to the Treasury herself, you know, really in line with the Treasury orthodoxy about more investment into the, into the South, rather than Rishi, who tore up the Green Book when he was Chief Secretary to help rebalance that capital investment to the north of England. Mm. Any Northerners out there? Any watchers listening up north? Uh, what do you think to all of this levelling up? It's a great sentence, isn't it? It's a great slogan. Uh, but we haven't actually achieved it. Do you think that the next leader will? Uh, you tell me. I want your thoughts on that. Get in touch. GBviews at gbnews.uk is the email address. You can tweet me as well. Hello there, welcome back to Jubes and Co. Keeping me company until then, we've got the Tory MP, Richard Holden, who is backing Rishi Sunak and the consultant editor of the Daily Mail and brand new GB News presenter. Exciting announcement. Yeah, very exciting for me. Welcome. Andrew Pierce is the man that I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, he is a Liz Trust supporter. Who are you supporting at home, by the way? Uh, who's your money on? In fact, literally, did you put any money on? Tell me. Uh, get in touch and let me know. Um, right, in terms of what they're going to be asked, uh, Alistair Stewart will be asking the questions this evening. Something tells me, I've got to say, that crime will probably be on the agenda because, of course, we've had in the last few days the 87-year-old uh, stabbed to death whilst riding a mobility scooter in London. Uh, then you've got that situation in Manchester where a guy there uh, snatched a six-year-old girl. I mean, goodness gracious me, crime. What on earth is happening in this country? I'm pausing for dramatic effects because any second now I'm about to show you some of the things that are happening in this country. Oh, OK, no, I'm not. Uh, OK, uh, well, I shall tell you instead some of the things. We've had 5.8 uh, million crimes uh, this year, in the year ending, sorry, should I say, September 2021. In that period, there were 666 homicides. The Conservative government has presided over a 16% drop in real-term central funding for police services in England and Wales from 2009-10 to 2018-19. And the Tories' 2019 manifesto said that they'd hire 20,000 new police officers. They're about two-thirds of the way there. The figure, uh, they're on track at the minute for 13,500, pretty much. Right, yes, I think I can show you. Here you go. Uh, if you are watching, um, I'm playing you some clips, actually, of some of the things that are occurring uh, on the streets of Britain as we speak. If you're listening and you're wondering, I'll talk you through it. Uh, in a short word, the word is carnage. Uh, you've got a variety of people running amok on the streets while the police almost, they seem to just be standing around watching. Um, you've got them storming. Uh, shops snatching, whether it's candy or goodness only knows what. Don't forget, of course, we had Sadiq Khan the other day uh, blaming things like the cost of living crisis. 
for the rise of crime. Next up, we've got some guy uh, wielding a, a knife. Um, he's on the top of the roof of a, of a property surrounded by uh, police. I've got to say he's not a smart guy, though, because then he stands on an open window and falls down. Uh, anyway, he gets tasered. Manchester, I mean, again, you've got youths brawling. I mean, you've got the police dragging uh, some guy. I don't know if he's been stabbed or shot. I don't envy the police, I have to say. I look at some of these images. Uh, they're a lot braver than me going into that. Um, I'll show. I'll open this up to you, Richard. Um, I'm just going to continue playing some of those scenes, but... In summary, I would say a huge amount of uh, public have lost uh, faith in uh, the Tories being able to manage law and order. We've had some real issues, uh, antisocial behaviour-wise, in, in my constituency as well. But I think the biggest issues we've seen there, centres of major cities like London and Manchester, and the response from Sadiq Khan is not we need to crack down on these violent offenders, but uh, trying to blame everybody else. The same in Manchester there as well, with Andy Burnham presiding over a police force there, um, which is in special measures under his uh, mayoralty. I think we need to get a grip of these situations as quickly as possible. And uh, I welcome some of the uh, policy announcements from Rishi on this, one of them particularly to be able to hold to account people like Andy Burnham. Nobody's really holding him to account at all over the fact that Manchester's got a violent... Violent crime is around 70% higher than the national average in, in, uh, on some statistics at the moment. And robberies certainly are. And, and I think that's a real danger for our country if we allow that to get out of control. One of the things we have seen on the positive side is indeed that new growth in police officers. And, and that's starting to come through now. Yes, they do require Yeah, but hang on, training. it's not really a growth, is it? It's more a replacement of what was caught. Oh, well, it's growth from 2019. So we're 13,000 more than then. We'll be 20,000 more than that by the middle of 2023, which is a big step in the right direction. Um, but I'll certainly be looking to hold the police to account in my local area and the Police and Crime Commissioner. Uh, and I think we need to be able to do that to a greater extent, particularly in places like Greater Manchester, where Andy Burnham has seems to have been able to get away with this failing police force now for quite a long time without anybody really being able to do anything about it. Andrew Pearce? I just think people are losing faith in the police because of the way they do their job now. I think they spend too much time on the internet, too much time surfing the internet looking for so-called hate crime. If somebody called me a queer and I went to the police and said, I've been, I'm a victim of a hate crime, that is now a hate crime. It isn't a hate crime, it's just somebody stupid being insulting and rude. But that is the problem. They're spending far too much time involved in, in what, what I call blue-collar crime, crime which is nothing like a serious... We've just seen an 87-year-old man stabbed to death in, a disabled, uh, in, in his disabled mm. buggy this week. Chilling. If you're an older person walking home, you're going to... Is that what... Is that how lawless our streets have become? We need to see Bobby's on the beat. It's a cliche, but we do because it's a deterrent. You want to see that the thin blue line has got too thin. But I really think the priority is when you... You also know if you report a burglary, the chance of it being investigated, almost non-existent because it won't score enough points. There's been a, a collapse in... Of, of, respect and trust in the police, I think, because of the way they're doing their job. But Liz Truss, uh, she's saying that she wants police officers to visit the scene of every burglary. Well, she, now, that's impossible. To, I was going to say, because to put some context into that, two, 266,283 uh, were the burglaries that were... This is These are the ones, by the way, that are reported. I don't know about you, but if someone, I don't know, nicked my, broke into my shed and nicked my bike, quite frankly, I don't even think I'd even bother reporting it. So when I say that there's nearly 300,000 burglaries last year, that's just the ones that are reported. Mm. So you say uh, it's not going to happen, that every you know, police officer is going to visit everyone. Why promise it then? Well, it's not, it's, not, it's not possible, and it's one of those stupid promises people make in these leadership campaigns. But what you want is just a sense that the police take burglaries seriously. Because if your home is burgled, it's really destabilising and upsetting. And if the police aren't interested, it makes people feel even more insecure and they wonder, what, who are the police there for? But if Liz Truss uh, is making suggestions like that, mm. quite frankly, just because they sound good in order to get votes and she can't deliver it, what else is she promising well, that Alice, she can't deliver? Well, I'm, I'm quite sure Alistair Stewart will challenge her on that tonight because I think crime will be a big factor tonight, and it should be, because in London alone, I think, Richard might know this, I think we've had six fatal stabbings... Yes, in a, a week. week. In a week. An extraordinary... Now, 
Sadiq Khan, the, the Labour Mayor, is the Police and Crime Commissioner for London, but in the end, the public don't care who's responsible. What they want is the, the lawlessness to stop and the police to regain control of the streets. Yes, we do. And do you think it's possible, um, I want you to tell me, do you reckon uh, that the police can get control of the streets again, or do you think it's all too far gone? Get in touch, tell me. Uh, GBviews at gbnews.uk is the email address. You guys, I've been asking you, and I want you to keep your thoughts coming in. I'll read some towards the end. If you were Alice Stewart asking the uh, questions tonight, what would you be asking? Uh, get in touch and tell me what's been missed so far. What have you heard too much of? What have you not heard enough of? Get in touch and tell me. GBviews at gbnews.uk is the email address. Now, let's go over to Daniel Granger, shall we, who's the chairman of the Young Conservatives Network. Good evening to you. Um, let's talk then, shall we, young people. What do you think they're hoping to hear from uh, Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak? Well, I think from sort of a younger point of view, the the big issue that seems to be left out is house building. We've seen very little on that from both candidates in terms of really delivering affordable homes for young people. And getting those young people on the housing ladder seems to be, from what I'm seeing inside our organisation, the number one issue for young Conservatives. You have, uh, or you or your members, do you have faith in either of the candidates to fix this issue? Well, I think early on our members were very divided on who they were going to support. We had a lot of support for Penny Morden early on, and there's been some consistent support for Rishi Sunak. But with the endorsements of Liz Truss, of Tom Tugendhat and Penny Morden in the recent weeks, we've seen that they have a bit of faith in Liz, but they don't know if she can deliver. Let me ask you this. I mean, in terms of uh, economic uh, strategies, tax, all the rest of it, the two candidates have got very different um, attitudes, haven't they? Uh, you've got one candidate who's kind of saying, let's fix this problem now and then we'll do the good stuff later. The other candidate, Liz Truss, going, let's do the good stuff now and worry about the problems a little bit later. I'm summarising, but that's the general gist. Which yeah. one of those two approaches do you think is more attractive to younger people? Well, I think, I think younger people are equally concerned about finding opportunities exiting from university and going into the workforce. I think Liz Truss's tax ideas are sort of that traditional sort of Thatcherite vein of the party, certainly very much strongly support her on that. And Rishi Sunak's been, I think, criticised by our members, particularly for the sort of idea that it's all very good for the old people and very good for moving forward on that sort of regard. But there's a sort of credibility issue around what he did with Boris Johnson that people have a, a big issue with. So I think Liz Truss's plan is, is overall more attractive. I think that tax cuts now and paying back in three years is more sustainable. But I do also think that we've got this massive trust gulf with Rishi Sunak, which is the main issue for younger people, I think. From our, our organisation. Indeed. And just as a, as a guesstimate, uh, what percentage of your members do you think have yet to vote versus who have already done so? Based on uh, the, the members I saw at the Scottish Hustings the other day, I would say about 35% of our members are still to cast their ballot. So there's still a lot to play for here. It's not, it's not, there's no way over for either candidate. Indeed. There you go. Thank you. That's Daniel Granger there, the chairman of the Young Conservatives Network. Uh, are you slightly younger at home? Uh, younger than us three, anyway. When you said old people, I thought, is he looking at me? <laughs> yeah, well, not me. I'm 21, of course. But uh, if you are a younger person watching this, you tell me, uh, what do you want to hear from the candidates? What about housing? Is that a big issue for you? Do you trust either candidate, quite frankly, to fix it or not? Is owning your own home a bit of a pipe dream that you don't think you'll ever achieve? Get in touch. Tell me. Now, I'll tell you another topic that is in the news a lot at the moment. Farming. Uh, of course, we all know by now we've had a dry summer and that has left many farmers struggling and this could ultimately make the cost of living crisis even worse. The best-selling farming author, James Rebanks, has criticised Liz Trussler, saying she's possibly the worst person imaginable to be Prime Minister if you care about farming. So let me talk to someone then uh, that does care about farming, shall I? Uh, I'm joined by Ed Dungate, who's the chairman of the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs. Good evening to you. I was just referencing a quote there saying Liz Truss is basically the worst person uh, for you farmers. Do you agree with that? Hello, good evening. Um, I, I, I couldn't say she was the worst person, but Liz has been DEFRA secretary in the past and... Um, she talks a lot about the issues that we're interested in, but she doesn't give me a great deal of faith that she's going to 
follow through and treat food production seriously, which is what we want. We need the new leader to treat food production as importantly as the environment and the climate. Uh, and, and, and I really hope that they'll do so. If, if you want to see a country that hasn't treated food production seriously, just look at Sri Lanka right now. Huge political unrest, uh, largely down to a government that didn't treat domestic food production seriously. And I hope that Liz and Rishi are, are taking note. And do you think they are? Well, well we, we keep banging on about it so much that I think they must be. And food security has been taken so completely has treated with such complacency by the complacency for decades. But finally this year, we've seen food on the government agenda. And so we really need them to keep food on the agenda, firstly. Um, as young farmers, we are passionate about producing good quality, climate-friendly uh, food for this nation to high environmental standards with good animal welfare. And we were uh, innovating, we're embracing technology, particularly the younger generation, and we really want the opportunity to do so. And so we really need them to treat food as importantly as the environment and the climate going forward. And I, I, I really hope they're listening. So if you could have just one ask, if you was to ask uh, both of them a question, uh, or you've got one thing you'd want to see from them, what would it be? My one thing would be, please don't compromise us on international trade deals. I know it will be so tempting, for the, and I know that free trade has been brilliant for economies throughout time. And it will be very tempting for the new leader to go to various countries around the world and say, we will export our brilliant financial services to you, and we'll import your lower standard cheap food. But they'd be doing a great disservice to this country to do that. They'd be importing food, which more than likely uh, is being produced with lower animal welfare standards and less thought for the environment. And and has probably travelled hundreds and thousands of miles to get here. Um, and what's one of the biggest contributors to CO two? Transport. So mm. it it would be bonkers to uh, to throw farmers um, a terrible deal on international trade deals when we're producing brilliant quality food here on our doorstep for this nation. Indeed. Uh, thank you very much. That's Ed Dungate there, the chair of the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs. What do you think to that, well, he's talking, I think he's <clears throat> probably talking about Australia because we've done, Liz Truss, very proud that she's done a trade deal. And it probably means that we're going to get Australian sheep and beef on our tables cheaper than buying Welsh lamb and uh, perhaps Scottish beef. How, does, how can that be right? Uh, and of course, how can it be as good for us to have it transported all that way? But uh, one of the advantages of Brexit was we can do trade deals now with other countries. And I think British farming will just have to adapt and adjust. Uh, when he said about transport's one of the worst emissions of, of, of all this carbon change, of course, so is cattle. Mm. A far bigger emitter. And what are we going to do about that? Indeed. Well, I've been asking you guys at home, uh, what questions would you put to the two candidates? I've got to say, uh, Channel Crossings is coming across as a firm favourite there that you want uh, both, uh, both candidates to be grilled on. Um, it really is. I, if, I had a, if I had a pound for everyone that had emailed in asking that question, I'd be a very rich woman. Uh, somebody else here has said, can you, I would be asking them, uh, would they be prepared? It's Linda uh, says, I would like to ask both candidates if they would be prepared to put pensioners and others in low incomes uh, in hotels with heating and meals provided like they do for the immigrants arriving across the channel got to be honest, I suspect the answer to that would be no. Uh, but I hear your sentiment. Hello there, welcome back to Jubes & Co with me, Michelle Jubery. A special tonight looking ahead to the Tory leadership hostings that will be taking place live here on GB News from 7 o'clock tonight, keeping me company until then. The Tory MP Richard Holden, who is backing Rishi Sunak and the Conservative editor of the Daily Mail and soon-to-be GB News presenter Andrew Pearce, who is 
firmly in the camp of Liz Truss. Uh, who are you on? Uh, which side are you on, by the way, at home? Uh, have you voted yet? Are you undecided? Uh, I want your thoughts on all of this. The issue I was asking you earlier on, if you were Alistair Stewart, what would you be asking uh, the candidates, as I was mentioning just before the break? I've got to say, the key issue that is coming through are the channel crossings. You want to know what would you do to stop this? You don't want fluff. You want answers, immediate action as well. You want Janice says, uh, what I want is a yes or a no in terms of leaving the European Court of Human Rights. That's uh, on Janice's agenda. Is it on yours? Um, this is a huge deal, I have to say, uh, these channel crossings. Do you think that either candidate actually know what to do to get across it? I think this has been a massive issue for the government. I think there's multi-layered response to it, but I think the biggest thing we've got to do is get some agreements in place as quickly as possible with countries like Albania, where a lot of people are coming from, and get people sent straight back. I think some of Rishi's policy proposals on tackling crime are tied into this, wanting to deport foreign criminals more quickly uh, and, uh, and, have, and lower the thresholds for that, which is, I think, an important thing which my constituents want to see as well. I think there's some geopolitics involved in this. I think we need to really uh, look at Libya, a country we got involved in, and which is now a massive route for people coming through, up through Africa. We need to look at what can be done internationally on that. But so I think there's some international elements, but I think the biggest thing we've got to do is stop the boats in the channel. And we've got to do everything possible to make that work. If we can, if we can get the Rwanda thing working, then that's, then that's great. But we've got to take every lever, because it's the biggest thing in my post box in northwest Durham, as on a policy matter for people they want to see us have strong control of our borders. It's what they voted for in 2019, so they voted for in 2016, and they want to see the Conservative Party deliver it, because that's what's going to be judged on the next general election. Indeed, I don't have a purse box, but I do have an inbox, and it is full, yeah. uh, pretty much, I'm telling you, almost, if not every email, pretty much every other email uh, is coming through thick and fast, and that is a huge issue for a lot of you, many of you struggling uh, to heat your homes, uh, to afford food these days, and you're looking at people being placed into uh, hotels in your towns and cities and you're not happy about it. Tell me, though, do you think either candidate has what it takes to fix the issue? Uh, for now, though, I'm showing you pictures on the screen. That is Manchester. That is uh, getting ready for the GB News hostings that is about to be broadcast live here on this channel from 7 o'clock. Uh, our political correspondent, Tom Howard, is there now. Tom, good evening. Good evening, Michelle. Yes, I'm standing outside the room as the last few audience members are just filtering through. It's only a few minutes now before we'll start to hear from both Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. And I'm delighted to be joined here outside the auditorium by David Rutley, a member of parliament, uh, a pensions minister and a big supporter of Rishi Sunak. Uh, now, what are you looking for uh, Rishi Sunak to present across to the people of Manchester and indeed this region today? Well, having, having served as the Treasury Whip previously with uh, Rishi when he was Chancellor, I saw how he would deliver for the country when we needed him most. And I'm sure that's what we'll see in the arena today as well, where he can set out his credentials, set out his clear agenda for tackling inflation and the cost of living challenges. He's got a clear plan for both of those key tasks. Now, there have been a few polls out in recent weeks. Rishi Sunak several points behind, calling himself an underdog in this race. Is there still time to turn things around? Yes, there's lots of people that still need to vote. Uh, there are people here who are undecided, and that's what Rishi's doing, is making the case here. I think the public understand what he delivered uh, during the pandemic and the support that he's provided people during the cost of living challenge to this point. As Prime Minister, he'd be able to carry on delivering on those important fronts. The polling stayed pretty stubbornly similar in the last few six weeks or so of this contest. Why do you think it is that the message perhaps hasn't been resonating, at least when it comes to what the polls are picking up? Yeah, I think it's very difficult to poll the Conservative Party membership. Uh, you know, the polling companies can set out their methodologies. All I know is where I've seen Rishi turn up. He's been electric with the members that have been there. We had an event in Macclesfield uh, a few weeks ago, 120 people there. He was on fire. People were really excited about his message. So that's the key thing. We need to carry on getting the message across. Uh, and then ultimately, over the next few weeks, there'll be more people that will be making those votes. So these hustings today are going to be critical for those members in the northwest. 
Now, of course, there are lots of positive policies that Rishi Sunak is putting across. I feel like my inbox is absolutely full of policy proposals. But of course, there's another candidate in this race. And a contrast between these two candidates. How much will Rishi be talking about his opponent compared to his own agenda? I think he'll be focusing on his own agenda. He's got a strong agenda, uh, and that's what we want to focus on. We've got two good candidates here, but Rishi has got a clear plan, uh, one that I think will be the best for the country going forward. And just finally, it's been a bit of a scrappy race, especially in recent weeks. Is the Conservative Party capable of coming back together again once we're through this race in just a couple of weeks' time? Absolutely. We've done it before. We'll do it again. We need to get through the next few weeks. We could then get behind the new party leader and the new prime minister and we'll deliver on these vital priorities around inflation and the cost of living, as I said before. David Rutley, thank you very much. And Michelle, as we hear the roars of the audience just begin with some of the warm up in the auditorium, which is just next to me, just through that door, I'm sure it will be a very exciting couple of hours from 7 to 9 p.m. Look forward to sticking with it and analysing afterwards, of course. But for now... Back to you. Oh, I'm jealous. I wish that I was there. It does. It looks very exciting, doesn't it? Uh, hostings, your kind of thing. Do you watch that thing? Oh, yes. I wish that's where I was tonight. Tell me. Um, also, what do you think? I mean, I've been asking people here about so the viewers at home, listeners at home, their thoughts. Uh, Geo says, I would ask the government to stop building houses unless they're going to build the infrastructure to support them. Tony, uh, his question is in terms of the pensioners triple lock, what would they do about that? Do you think pensioners have been focused on enough? I think one of the big things that we've got to ensure is that pensioners are supported, particularly at this moment in time, where we're seeing huge escalation in energy prices. And the one thing that pensioners can't do is go out and work, because most of them are too old or frail. I think of my own grandfather, who's in his late 80s, and definitely if I tried to tell him to go and do that, then that would, that would, that's not a, a proper solution. So we've got to see proper support for them. It's one of the reasons I'm backing Rishi, because he's made clear that he will provide that support. Liz has been less clear about that and has concentrated on you know, tax cuts for big corporate, corporates through the corporation tax thing. I think we've got to ensure that during this cost of living crisis, pensioners and uh, and people in also who are working but in low paid employment are also able to support themselves and their families. Indeed. Andrew, your thoughts? Can I just go back to the Channel Crossing thing? I agree mm. with Richard. I think it's the number one political issue for this government. There's a, it, people are enraged. They're sick to death of it. Mm. They're seeing literally thousands coming over every week, often young men who are capable of working. Absolutely. They don't look to me like they've been fleeing persecution. They're coming through safe countries such as Belgium, France, Germany and Italy. They should be staying there and claiming asylum. And they've got to find a really positive way to stop this because we can't like keep what? talking about... Rwanda is for the birds. It's going to take too long. It's, they've got to find a way that when these wretched people arrive, forgive me using that word, because they're breaking the law, that they are turned back immediately. Because what happens is these lawyers get hold of them and the appeals go on for months and months and months, all on legal aid, no doubt, put up in hotels and accommodation, and many of them then disappear. What would happen if uh, whoever is the Prime Minister next, yeah. Truss or Sunak, what would happen if they said, Do you know what, right... I understand there's going to be consequences to what I'm about to do, but the first plane load to Rwanda, gone, and I'll deal with the consequences afterwards. Well, I think, I think most Tory MPs would cheer to the rafters, and so would the country. Because I, you know, do you think that Sunak's got it in him I think, to well, do something I, like that? I, I think what we need to see is a policy that works, right? Because quite clearly, what we've done over the last few years hasn't. hasn't. Well, we can't go to a situation of the open borders, which is what we inherited from Labour. We've, we've really started to clamp down on it. One of the things I'd like to see is why when these people are rescued in the Channel, when boats capsize and that sort of thing, why are they brought to the UK? Why are yes. they taken to the French border? Right. Where they or the French Post Coast Guard or the French RNLI equivalent of and the Belgian one, why are they brought here? And it a, seems insane. And, to and me. I thought the Royal Navy's job was to protect our shores from these illegal uh, migrants. They appear to be escorting them over to well, Britain yeah. and giving them a safe passage. That's not what the Royal Navy should be doing. Yeah, and I've got to say, I just, I don't know if either of them, to me, uh, have it in them to do what it takes because I think that you've got to be very, very, very bold. You've got to face the nation. You've got to say, look, this is an emergency situation. It's a non-ideal scenario, but something has got to be done. If I was in charge, I would say, right, I'm going to do two things. Number, Well, I'll do a few things. I'll get on the shores. I'd communicate to everyone, right, if you come via this way, you're going to be subject to pushback now, turn back. I accept it's unpopular. 
I accept there's a risk, but the risk is yours. You're making that risk to get on these boats. If you do, you're gonna get pushed back. If you do manage to slip the net and come through, I'll be putting you on a plane to Rwanda and I'll deal with the consequences later. I'd fess up to the country, I'd say, look, there is gonna be consequences to this, but we can't carry on. No, we, we can't ca carry on. We can't carry on. And part of the British Bill of Rights, which is coming forwards in September, is to exactly try and remove some of these legal obstacles we face. But I think we've just got to keep going further and further and further on this because I am fed up of seeing mm -hmm. lawyers uh, who are just creaming the legal aid system, yeah. basically, uh, with constant changes to the reasons they're trying to oppose deportation. I think we've just got to take, it, take, it, take the bull by the horns on it. I think you've seen Rishi deliver on things like furlough through the pandemic, seeing putting the support for families. Um, I think when you see him on a bigger stage, uh, one of the reasons I'm backing him is he's a delivery-orientated guy and I want to see him do that for the country on a variety of issues, including stopping the uh, illegal immigration through our borders. Well, Michael says, I want to ask them, would either of them have uh, give us a referendum on capital punishment? That's what Michael wants to see. Uh, someone else, lots of you, saying, I want to ask them about their connections to the World Economic Forum. That one has come through a lot uh, tonight, that's for sure. Keep your thoughts coming in on the email. Right. Gosh, time flies. It is. Joining me in the studio for the next few moments at least, we have my panel, the Tory MP Richard Holden. He is backing Rishi Sunak. Also, we have the consultant editor of the Daily Mail and soon-to-be GB News presenter Andrew Pearce. He is in Liz Truss Corner. Goodness me, good divide. You have been getting in touch as well tonight. I've been asking you, what is it that you want to hear? Uh, the candidates asked so many different things. The biggest one coming through thick and fast is immigration. Channel crossings, people have been asking about pensions. Uh, also, someone was just asking me then about would either candidate give a referendum uh, to the return of capital punishment. Do you reckon that would be on Rishi's agenda? I don't think it's on either of the agenda, to be totally honest. I don't think we want to see a return to capital punishment. What I, what I do want to see is foreign criminals deported when they commit crimes in the UK, and Rishi's pledged to toughen up on that as quickly as possible, and uh, that's what I want to see. Uh, by the way, if you're watching and you're thinking to yourself, who is that chap uh, on the screen? Uh, in a nutshell, what they're doing there is they're just going through. That is live in Manchester. They're doing all of that kind of essential but a little bit boring chat. Here's the fire escape. This is what you do with this. So you know what? We're going to talk to Andrew Pearce instead. But the second, the second, ladies and gentlemen, that hosting starts will be on it. But for now, Andrew Pearce... I can't uh, talk about the fire escape, so I don't know where it is. No, I don't even think I do, actually. Oh, you've got me, you me worried now. Um, have you ever had a moment of doubt where you sit and you think to yourself, actually, I might have got it wrong here with Liz Truss? Uh, no. Um, I think probably, one of the problems with uh, Rishi Sunak, I think um, his whole campaign has been just a little bit too polished. When I saw that video, which, you, which was in your opening sequence, it came out, what, just two days after mm -hmm. Boris quit... Too soon, too quick and too slick. And I thought, um, I'm not sure this is going to work with the Tory electorate, actually. Those, the, the, the £450 Prada shoes, the £3,500 suits. Look, I think we should have wealthy people in the House of Commons. I'm not objecting to that. But I think he's tried too hard to try to be not rich Rishi Sunak when he is rich Rishi Sunak. He, he, they've tried to make him too authentic when he should just be himself. If you're yourself... It's much better. Liz Truss, look, she's very wooden, but she's got better during the campaign. And I think Rishi's confidence has been a bit battered during this campaign because I think he thought he was going to do a lot better. And I suspect Liz Truss is miles ahead. Richard, have you had moments in this campaign because you are staunchly backing uh, Rishi Sunak? Do you sit there and have moments yourself and go, oh, God, I got this wrong? Uh, no, I don't, actually. I genuinely think that when I look at my constituents and I think, who is the best person to live for them? Who believes in Brexit like my constituents do? Who wants to get that delivered and make the most of it? Who's going to tackle illegal immigration? Who's going to help with the cost of living? Uh, and who's had that background in actually delivering for people already? I I'm with Rishi, and I'm, I, don't, I don't regret that. 
I do see the campaign as it as it develops, and you know one of the things which has really concerned me is not once but twice we've seen those policies that Liz has put forwards. You know, one of them coming out through that uh, uh, that audio clip from before. One of them a policy she put forwards and then came back on talking about how, you know, basically talking down the rest of the country outside London, and that really worries me about the future. I'm sure that we as MPs can work together. Whoever wins and will unite and join behind whoever's leader. But we've got to. I think those unforced errors from me, from, from Liz, are, are a real concern when you're talking of our membership, which a lot of it is outside the capital. Yeah, and we talk about your membership, by the way. So just to be absolutely clear, uh, this leadership election is essentially going to be uh, decided by, I think it's 0.3% of the broader electorate. And it makes me ponder, so it does, Andrew, do you think the next leader has got a mandate to be... In charge of this country. Well, they have because that's the system we've got. And if it was in the, if it, if, the, if it had been a Labour Party who'd been brought down and there was a leadership election, the same would have happened. In fact, thank God it isn't Labour because their leadership election would take so much longer. But do you not think it means, you know what, 0.3% now have done this prime minister? It's time for a general election. Look, it looks, but the optic isn't good. And I think what's even worse is that how long it's taking. Why is it taking two months to elect a leader when you can do a general election in five weeks? That's mm. a, that's what how many people could voting over 30 million and here is 160,000 by the way why don't we know how many Tory members there are even now we saw Labour's figure this week they've lost um, I think 12% or something of their membership in the last a, a yes. specific figure we don't have a specific mm. figure for the Tory membership we think it's 160,000 but we don't know and do you know no, I don't know either. No, I'm, I've Perplexing. never been told by a central <laughs> office. So help I know how many members in my works. constituency. But you, so you are, uh, you're an elected MP, you, you're electing now your, your leader. If it was down to MPs, by the way, of course, it would have been Sunak uh, that had won, but it's not, it's down to the members. And you don't know how many members you have in your party. Uh, no, I know, only know my own constituency. I'm only... A, Allowed to know my only constituency. In my own constituency, I think it's about 263 at the moment. Right. Up from about 80 uh, a few years ago. Well so we done. are growing the membership. I and we wanted to grow further. Strange. So if you're from North West Durham, do join the Conservative Party. <laughs> there you go, a little plug there. Hey, I'll tell you what, actually, I'll give, I'll give this show a little plug because if you've just tuned in, you're thinking, what's going on? Who is this northern woman? Where are the hustings? Well, uh, on the screen right now, you're just seeing the build up to the hustings. As soon as that begins, I will be switching live. But for the meantime, this. Uh, is Jubes and Kerr. I'll be back uh, on Monday at six o'clock. But look, look what I've got, everyone. I've got my popcorn. I am ready for these hustings. Are you ready, Andrew yeah, Pierce? Very ready. You ready? I can't wait. Uh, do you actually still have faith, both of you? I've got to ask you this. In your, in your chosen ones? I think the key thing is, actually, and I've spoken to a lot of members, I did an event up in Milton Keynes yesterday, done events across the country in my own constituency in Lancashire and in Surrey and Kent as well. I think there's a lot of the membership are still undecided some of them undecided whether to vote or not, but I think a lot undecided between the two candidates. What? Hang I, on. Why would a member not vote? Um, uh, some of them are still uh, still just really not sure about either of them. Uh, <coughs> and I'll tell you another reason really why. split across... A, a lot party. of Tory members are outraged that Boris Johnson was toppled by MPs. Yes. He, he won with a majority of 80, the biggest majority since 1987. They weren't as incensed about Partygate and all the other stuff as others, and they're furious, and they look at Sunak and they look at Truss and think neither of them are, are a patch on Boris, who, for all his faults, was an incredibly charismatic uh, politician. And you wouldn't say that particularly about these two. No, I stuck with Boris right to the end. You know, I was on his election campaign as a, as, as a, as a press guy and then I was elected as an MP a few months later and, you know, um, I didn't resign uh, when he was under real pressure. You know, I was approached by Liz back in October to go for one of her Fizz with Liz things. Uh, obviously, we all know about uh, a few months later, Rish's website and stuff. I think it's quite clear that the membership consider both of them um, were sort of thinking about what to do for the future for quite a, a long time. But I've got to take a realistic view now and, uh, and that's why I'm backing. Stephen says definitely the new PM has a mandate. Thanks for listening to Jubes and Co. the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you will never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, leave us a nice comment. I'll see you next time. <laughs>